0: Welcome to Empower Humans. Welcome again to the Empower Humans podcast. This is episode 108 with uh, the incredible author, speaker, coach, Blake Bauer. Uh, You may or may not have heard of Blake before, but he's author of an incredible book called You Were Not Born to Suffer. Man, oh man, I can't even tell you enough how much I recommend you listen to this. You're already on your way listening to this intro. So Blake Bauer, by the way, his website, unconditional-selflove.com, unconditional-selflove.com, and again, his book, You Were Not Born to Suffer. Now, he was doing some events, a lot of that stuff, like for a lot of people, musicians, comedians, uh, Speakers, all these people have had to cancel events, but he's doing some online stuff. So go back to that website uh, and look for opportunities there. Uh, again, unconditional-selflove.com. And want to remind you before we jump into the interview, you are priceless. Nothing can change that. Don't believe anything to the contrary. I've heard all kinds of uh, awful stories uh, lately. So many people have suffered with this pandemic and all the various things going on. Uh, don't get lost in all of that. We've got to stand firm and anchored and uh, reach out for help if you need to we can help and lift each other we talk a lot about all that kind of stuff in this interview about loving each other loving ourselves Uh, you can do it reach out to me info at empowerhumans.com is the email at empower101 on instagram and twitter Uh, reach out family friends neighbors co-workers but again nothing can change that you are absolutely priceless and of course you're never alone so you have opportunities if you're feeling down that uh, you can lift yourself back up and seek help from various resources if you need to. Also, study. Keep studying. These are challenges. Uh, I've found so much joy in studying because to me it's kind of like, and I've always used this analogy of musical instruments because I grew up as a musician, (laughs) but musicians get out of tune, and when I study and learn things, learn truth, it realigns me, it uh, retunes me, so to speak, as an instrument that gets out of tune, Over time, just like you and you and I both and Blake and everyone else in this world, we get out of tune. And so studying is one of the key ways for me that I get to do that. And there's tons of ways to do that. You know what all of them are. Listen to a good podcast like this one. Uh, listening to good audio books, reading books, uh, just good material. And, of course, you can have fun as well and watch a movie and things also. But study, keep studying, make great moments. I've loved spending time with my boys, uh, especially at this time. Uh, We've, you know, done Legos. I've been watching this Michael Jordan thing. I still haven't finished (laughs) with one of my sons. We've been playing this card game, War, that you may have heard of. And I had some fun with that. They always get upset when I win, but I don't get too upset when they win. Because I don't care too much. I just care that we're spending time together and having fun. (laughs) Make great moments. That's with loved ones in particular. And uh, our last challenge is always let's keep doing this podcast together. I can't say enough about Blake Bauer. He and I have a lot of things in common. We talk about some of that up front here in the interview. And he comes to us here from Chicago on this day. And uh, just all kinds of great nuggets of wisdom. So without further ado, let's jump right in. Here's our interview with the one and only Blake Bauer. I am so excited today to bring you Blake Bauer, uh, author of the incredible book, You Were Not Born to Suffer, which is really, I think, an incredible title that probably applies to just about everyone, and uh, speaker, uh, coach, all these various hats that you wear. Blake, how are you doing today? You're in Chicago, you're telling me.
1: Yeah, thank you, Phil. I'm doing really well, actually. It's a nice day here, and um, yeah, I feel Grateful and and I feel well. Thank you very much for having me.
0: Yeah, it's our pleasure to have you. Nice and cool in Chicago compared to we were over a hundred degrees as usual in Vegas in June, uh, just yesterday, and probably the same today. So, <laughs> oh wow! But we're indoors <laughs> for this. <laughs> um, cool. I uh, I was looking at a lot of the stuff that you do, and I think uh, man, and one of the reasons I want to invite you on the podcast is because uh, I think there's a lot here. Uh, we Westerners are so used to the way we have things established and set up with the whole Western medicine and the way we deal with things. And sometimes it's not the most effective way. Let's just all be honest with ourselves. Um, But also people have to follow their gut, use their discretion. And a lot of what you do is outside of uh, the realm of maybe what's mainstream here in uh, at least in the United States and stuff. But let's talk about that. How did you get to this place where you're doing what you do and uh, your background and stuff? I always like to know what people, you know, family situation stuff, not, you know, within reason and your comfort level, but how that plays into what you do and why you do it.
1: Yes, absolutely. It's a it's a, an important question. Um, well, for me, all of this began personally, so all the the work that I do with other people began with my own deep psychological and emotional suffering. Um, I, I struggled a lot as a young man and then found my way into severe drug and alcohol addiction as a teenager. Mm -hmm. And, um, I read point around the time I was 18 where I really hit rock bottom. I was in a very, very dark, bad place. I had um, been arrested a number of times for drug possession and, you know, just breaking the law and, mm. and, and, really rebelling against family and society
0: yeah.
1: and convention. And <clears throat> I was also a top athlete as a, as a teenager and was supposed to play uh, football in college and, uh, was a captain of a varsity football team with my best friends and I got kicked off the team at the age of 17, going on 18, because I got a very bad DUI um, driving under the influence of uh, alcohol and pills and, and marijuana. And wow. when, that, when those events unfolded, I basically sabotaged everything that I cared about and that was important to me, and, and also that represented my identity or my ego, or who I believed myself to be. And within a very short period of time all of that crumbled. And what was underneath a very um, maybe arrogant and and a guy who thought he was invincible was, was a was a was a very insecure, confused, lost, psychologically and emotional tortured soul. And I just had a lot of emotional pain from childhood. And from growing up that I never knew how to talk about or how to deal with. And so coming to terms with this and, and being in a very dark place at the age of 18, um, I found it very hard to, uh, to focus on figuring out life. I was very confused. And yet at the same time, I felt this intense pressure to figure out what to do with my life, mm-hmm. how to make a living, You know, what am I supposed to be or do in this world? And so from the, from the age of 18, I moved forward with this, these two questions, which were, how do I heal myself or free myself from this suffering, this intense psychological and emotional pain? And then the second question was, what's the purpose of my life? Because I felt like there was a reason I was here and that I had some kind of purpose and that I could live in the world with a purpose and make a living with a purpose instead of just chasing money or kind of material goals. And so those two questions drove me forward. And I ended up going to five different universities studying things like psychology and nutrition and herbal medicine. And then I went to school for traditional Chinese medicine, so acupuncture and oriental medicine. And it began very selfishly in that I just wanted to understand how to heal myself mentally, emotionally, and physically and be as healthy and happy and vital as possible. And then the more I did that, the more I naturally just wanted to share with other people what I had learned, because that was really the only thing that gave my life and my suffering any meaning was to share with other people the insights I had learned to healing a tortured mind to healing a broken heart and to making my body feel as well and healthy and strong as possible. Um, And the more I learned about these topics and these subjects first through personal trial and error with my own being and my own life, the more I started to understand the psychological and emotional root causes of disease. And when I was training in the, the different, uh, areas that I mentioned before, you know, I also studied all the sciences because in psychology and in, um, uh, Chinese medicine, you know, you know, you study all the same things that someone preparing for medical school or going to medical school would be studying as far as, you know, biology and chemistry and anatomy and physiology.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I, and I just began how to, un- I began to see very clearly how when you have a, an unhealthy, Relationship to your thoughts and you have an unhealthy relationship to your emotions that that actually leads to depression and anxiety and then eventually to physical illness and so the more I understand that understood this I wanted to help people feel empowered so that they don't feel the victim of the physical health issues that they're experiencing or the mental and emotional health issues that they're experiencing. And I think because we just are, as you kind of mentioned in our Western culture, we're not educated as kids in school and we don't really grow up with an awareness of how much our thoughts and how much our feelings matter and impact our physical health and then every area of our life. And so I try and bring that to people's awareness very clearly, very logically, very practically. So it's not just some kind of distant, uh, theory, uh, to to you know to really bring it home so that someone doesn't doesn't feel out of control and hopeless or helpless but that they actually can take their power back by looking at their thoughts and looking at their emotions and and looking at their habits and that from there they can heal their body they can heal their heart they can heal their mind and then shape the life that they want
0: wow uh, Yeah. and I appreciate you open all that up because that's uh, Uh, And and you did say nothing's off limits, and I'm curious as we talk here uh, to what degree, obviously, you'd like to explain, uh, but I think people can relate. The the hard thing that happens in the world is we keep things to ourselves that might have contributed perhaps to some of your pain and suffering. Um, I just wonder, uh, parental involvement and – I don't know if you have any siblings, um, but uh, do you want to dig in on any of that stuff as far as uh, more depth or – because using words like tortured mind and broken heart, uh, what kind of things are we dealing with here, if you don't mind me asking? Because I, for one, can say I've dealt with my own version of some. I haven't dealt with drug use, thank goodness. Uh, I've got some close friends who have and almost lost and have lost some as well. And, of course, I grew up a musician, and so I watched people in that culture <laughs> both abusing and losing their lives to some of those things as well. But what what do you think fed into this when it comes to you that within your comfort level of sharing?
1: Well, I'm 100% happy to share. Um, you know, I grew up in a very dysfunctional family like a lot of people do. I mm-hmm. grew up around my parents divorce when I was young and it was a very bad divorce, which is not uncommon. Right. But my father struggled with drug addiction. Mm-hmm. A lot of my family members did. I have I have a brother who struggled with drug addiction for many years, and he passed away from a heroin overdose mm. um, just seven years ago.
0: Well, wow. sorry to hear that.
1: Thank you very much. I I I just grew up around a lot of of pain and a lot of self destruction, and so then I mm. followed suit because it was what I grew up around. And then you know I do I did I believe we do have a genetic disposition to these things, and then you have mm-hmm. the environment that you grow up in none of which means you can't overcome them. But I just kind of went with the flow, and it was what I knew, and there were people who I thought were cool or that I looked up to that were also very self-destructive. So these were just kind of the big life lessons that I had to learn as an individual. And then, you know, you, as, you, as you come of age with friends, you know, you grow up at school, and, and high school, you know, things happen with friends that can affect you that you don't talk about. Yeah. And then, um, you know, I, I've, I've, I had a number of serious relationships, you know, with, with women, or girlfriends, and you know, you get hurt in situations like that, or you make mistakes and hurt people that you don't mean to. And, yeah. and that causes a broken heart. So when I was at the worst end of my drug addiction and, and really out of control around the time that I got this DUI, I was in a relationship with someone and I, and I hurt her badly. I pushed her away because I didn't love myself and I was really ashamed of what had happened with getting kicked off the football team and losing all my offers to play college football. I was very ashamed of myself inside and then Mm -hmm. in the community, I felt a lot of shame. And so, you know, I broke my own heart. So life broke my heart, you know, family dynamics broke my heart. And then I broke my own heart by ruining everything I loved and cared about. And that was the big lesson that set me on my path was Once I saw myself sabotage everything that I cared about and that gave me a sense of self-worth and was my identity and I was actually proud of in many ways and I ruined it all, that's when I knew I had to change. And that's when I knew I was actually following in the footsteps of the people I grew up around who had created wealth, had created a beautiful family, and then ruined everything as adults because they never got these self-destructive habits under control or transformed.
0: Yeah. Yeah, one of the things you were saying, and thank you for opening all those things up, that's... Uh some very severe topics. And I think a lot of people can relate to that in various ways. I've talked to people on the podcast before about addiction. And uh, one of the things you said that, that struck me kind of hard early on was that you said you hit rock bottom at age 18, which uh, I, I think a lot of people hit some version of rock bottom in their lives. But uh, age 18 is a pretty young age. I, I was I saw a thing from J.K. Rowling, you know, the author of Harry Potter. <laughs> and those well, other, those books, she said something to the effect of, Sometimes hitting rock bottom is the sure foundation you need to rebuild your life stronger. And I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but uh, and and another thing, I think you and I have a lot in common aside from obviously the drug, because I mentioned I haven't really delved into that. But as far as family life, I had brothers, two brothers. You know, I haven't lost them to, to anything yet. But uh, and again, I'm very sorry to hear what happened with your brother. But is there something to do with boys here? This is one thing I wanted to ask you. We've talked off and on about boys. I talked to the authors of a book called The Boy Crisis over a year ago now. Do you have any thoughts on that as you know as boys are raised in certain societies including here in western world, uh, a lot of times it's okay, be a man, keep to yourself, don't be emotional and then things start to build and get bottled up. Do you have any insights or thoughts on that, since here we are two boys coming from broken homes and various forms of pain? What is the boy factor here, if any? Well, I think
2: you hit the nail on the head already 100%. I think that as men, we're not often encouraged or supported to talk about our emotions and to express them in a really healthy way. And then that leads to a a lot of self-destructive and negative symptoms like anger, like aggression, over, you know, overeating, uh, over drinking alcohol. For example, a lot of men drink alcohol as a way of numbing their emotions and uh, just, you know, uh, numbing out. And then men, and then that's how men connect, you know, a lot of times is they get drunk and they kind of talk, but Mm -hmm. they don't really get to the bottom of certain issues. And then I think, too, men get a lot of mixed signals from women in terms of, you know, what they want and need, you know, so sometimes a a woman will say, you know, I want a guy who's sensitive and emotional, but she also wants him to be strong and a protector and, and not too vulnerable. (laughs) <laughs> and if he opens up too much, sometimes they don't find that attractive. And so men also are navigating, you know, how to relate to women in today's world. And I think, uh, obviously, gender roles have changed a lot in our generation, and um, and both men and women are more free to explore, you know, different things that they mm-hmm. like and want in life. And so... Uh, I think, absolutely, as men, we are uh, faced with learning, and, and as you know, this is a big topic that I talk about, is is learning how to love and accept ourselves 100%. And, and that means being able to accept whatever we're feeling and thinking and, and be honest about that and then feel that we still are lovable, we still deserve love. We still are attractive. We're still desirable, even if we, you know, feel insecure sometimes, or even if we feel sad, or, and, and I think like crying, for example, a lot of men have trouble crying, but crying is very healthy, and mm-hmm. when it comes to long-term forms of intimacy, you know, if you're not able to be vulnerable, you'll, you'll never be able to meet a, a partner you know, whether it's male or female in the way that both parties need to be met. And if you become a father, you know, you'll never really be able to show up for your child if you can't be open and and vulnerable. And so, yeah, yeah, I I definitely think, you know, um, you know, I grew up my, I was raised by my stepfather who was much older and he was very stoic, you know, Mm. and the only emotion he ever showed was anger. Otherwise he just keep everything kept everything in and his his motto in life and business was never volunteer information and (laughs) he was like that personally as well with his emotions you know like never Uh volunteer what you're vulnerably going through which in my life has not been a healthy way to approach myself or other people or intimate relationships so i think Mm -hmm. absolutely And, and what men need and you know i we, we talked about, you know, we, we spoke before the chat, you know, I teach a lot of events live. Yeah. And I attract a, a lot of men because as men, we don't actually have a lot of examples of of guys who are both strong and vulnerable. And so you've got the strong stoic type, you know, that some guys look up to and then you've got some men that are very emotional and and sensitive but then maybe don't Uh, express character traits that other men believe embody strength. And so men won't go to someone, a lot of men won't go to someone like that for help, even though they need support with their inner emotional life and that vulnerability. So it's a very fine line for a lot of guys. You know, we have to feel like we respect the guy and then we want to feel safe that we can open up and talk about these issues and And unfortunately, I know I didn't have a lot of role models in my life that embodied that that mix of vulnerability and strength. yeah, and so all of my work is was realizing that whatever it is that we're looking for in the world, we have to become. And that's a subconscious realization that mm-hmm. if you're looking for love, you need to become love. You know, if you're looking mm-hmm. for success, you have to become success, whatever that really means to you. Yeah. If you're looking for strength and vulnerability, well, you have to become strong and vulnerable. Yeah. And then the questions are, how? You know, how do I do that practically?
0: No, very, very true. I appreciate those insights. And a lot of folks in the self-help realm have used phrases like, you don't get what you want, you get what you are. And that I think goes right. in line with what you're saying. You have to become, and becoming is surely a process. And as such, we stumble, we make mistakes. And if you're in a relationship, goodness gracious, men and women alike, gay, straight, whatever it is, we as people have this process. So we have to be patient with each other too, if we're going to maintain the relationship, and then work with each other. And it's like these ebbs and flows, and ups and downs. And you, and you t- so there's this tightrope that men walk. But I think I, I want to you know give a shout out to our. Sisters, the women out there—they have their own version of a tightrope, and I—and uh, not that we're neglecting that, but you, you and I talking as as guys here, I think uh, <laughs> we're touching on that more. But of course, we do acknowledge you women as well have a version of that, uh, and so there's there's a lot of things of balance, you know. And I think the universe is very instructive because we've talked in the podcast. The universe demands balance, so we have to find a balance with these things about being vulnerable and strong and emotional and all these things. And, and it, so there's unhealthy habits that happen. Um, we're in a society that in a lot of ways has trained us to numb pain. You, you talked about things like overeating and drinking and, of course, the drugs that you mentioned too. Um, so I want to talk to you real quick too about some of what the, what the things you did try at first because as I look at your story – um, I see that you you did try some things, but weren't getting any lasting results with conventional medicine, psychiatry, religion. Do you want to talk about the things you did try first before we get to the things that for you have worked and that you've have helped, you know, lots of other people?
2: <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, in my it was more in my studies, and then when I started working with people, I began to meet so many people that weren't getting what they needed from those conventional avenues and I naturally gravitated towards unconventional uh, avenues from the beginning I started practicing yoga so actually part of how this all unfolded was when I went when I was 18 and after things had gotten really bad. One of the only lifestyle habits that I had left was going to the gym and working out. This carries on a little bit, even from what we were just talking about. My ego and my identity was very caught up with my body and, you know, always working out and being big and strong. Yeah. And it was, and it was very vain. And so, I never really took care of my core very much during those years. And so I had, you know, a big upper body and a big lower body, but I never really concentrated on my core. And I never realized that that was because I had all these repressed emotions down in that area of my body Mm. that I, that I hadn't addressed and didn't know how to address. And so during that time, when I was 18, I was still working out, lifting way too much weight. And I herniated two discs in my back. And, it was horrible. I had, you know, horrible sciatica, and then the two fully herniated discs. I couldn't walk. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't. It was just mm-hmm. horrible. But it was a blessing in disguise because my body was crying out for me to love and value myself on a mental and emotional level and a physical level. But it was it was my body's way of saying, come back to me psychologically and emotionally and take care of me. Look at this stuff. And it led me to to more gentle... And holistic forms of self-care, like like yoga, I got very into yoga at that time, and then I got in, and then that's when I first went for acupuncture, looking for relief and the pain in my back and my legs. Um, And and so that was actually how my journey began, was with yoga and and um, and acupuncture, and then that led me to meditation. So these, I had these practices that I was very deeply involved with on a daily basis throughout my studies. Um, and I and I naturally instinctually gravitated to what made me feel well you know mentally emotionally and physically most practically and, and effectively so I, I became very versed in those types of practices and then the more I met people who were going to psychologists and going in circles you know going to doctors and not finding answers or coming out of their religious upbringing you know whether that was Christianity or Catholicism or Judaism or Hinduism and Mm -hmm. you know, or or agnosticism or uh, whatever it was that they were coming from, but but something was missing. You know, they grew up with these spiritual principles that came through religion, but it wasn't necessarily improving the quality of their life or their relationships, or it wasn't translating into today's modern world as a practical philosophy through which you improve the quality of your life in all areas. And so I was lucky in the sense that I naturally gravitated towards, towards those things. And then the more I knew what I was talking about in those regards, the more I would meet people who were coming from a doctor and not getting help, or coming from a psychiatrist and not getting help, or were disillusioned with their religious upbringing. Yeah. And so that just became the natural evolution of things yeah and that and it really comes back to just speaking genuinely from my heart. you know I wasn't preaching from something I had grown up with. I was just sharing genuinely from what I had learned from my own healing and from my own uh, inquiry and and that's part of of what you know i've i my approach has become is a very direct no bullshit heart centered and logical uh Uh, mindset and approach to all of this and it just resonates with people because you can tell when you talk to someone whether they're being real and straight with you and if it makes sense and you feel it in your body we all know we, we don't listen to it all the time but instinctually intuitionally and logically we get a sense when we're reading something or talking to someone where this person seems to know what they're talking about as opposed to the doctor I just came from, or the psychiatrist I just came from, or the self-help guru I just came from, and something doesn't feel right about it, right? But then when you meet someone and something, it all feels right. We just know. Yeah. And so I think that's yeah. like, how we navigate, you know, and make choices, you know, by that contrast.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate so, And And early on, you're explaining how you were lifting too much weight and, and hurt yourself and... uh uh one thing, and I've heard this a recent guest on our podcast was talking about how pain can be our friend. And in a lot of ways for you, that helped you get to your awakening, if you will, of uh, changing how you take care of yourself and view the world and uh, handle and heal these past wounds and so on. Um, and as such, as we talk about pain, uh, I think something happens, at least I can speak for me and people I've known in my life. I, I think, again, speaking in the Western world, because that's where we all grew up at least, there's this idea that our mind, body, soul are kind of disconnected, that there's one and they're kind of isolated entities. But in reality, and what you're saying, what I, a lot of folks on our podcast and things I've read and heard and studied myself, is that they're very, very interconnected. And in other words the pain that you had, uh, I guess, in your core it was stored in your body in a certain way. Do you want to explain some of that and how this is interconnected? Because I think, for me at least, and some of us Westerners and the rest of the world maybe too, it's hard to embrace the idea that, okay, you have emotional pain, but somehow it's stored somehow in your body. Would um, you have any insight or light to shed on that <laughs> particular topic? How this is interconnected. Yeah, yeah. go
2: ahead. 100%, it's so important. And the first thing I wanted to say, which you prompted before the question, which is that one one way of looking at life that has really helped me and in, in my book and, and has helped a lot of people, and I hope that the people listening will appreciate this, is that I think it's really effective and it serves us. If you can look at any pain you're experiencing as a cry from your inner intelligence, And you can call that your subconscious, you can call it your soul,
3: Mm
2: -hmm. or your body, any pain you're experiencing on any level, is a cry from your inner intelligence, asking you to love and value and take better care of yourself. And it really shifts everything, and we can see things simply. That this illness is asking me to love myself more, this depression is asking me to love and value myself more. This yes. anxiety asking me to love and value myself more. This addiction is asking me to love and value myself more. And um, you know, I would die on. I would put. I would wager my life on that statement and that perspective. And I promise anybody who's listening that if you can get your mindset there and start to ask this question, how can I value and love myself more today, and where am I not loving and valuing myself, and and maybe the fact that I have not been loving and valuing and taking good care of myself is what actually led me to this position of suffering in some way. Mm-hmm. Then you're really empowered to do something about it. Yes. And I think that that's really, really important for everybody to so they can open their mind to, to even exploring that as a truth. Um, yeah. And then, and then coming back to your question, you know, when we feel anything, Phil, like we feel hurt, or we feel angry, or we feel sad, if we don't actually express it in the present moment, in the situation or relationship we're in, where does that emotion go?
3: Yeah, You
2: know, if we don't say it, you know, to the person we're talking to, or to our boss, or to our parents, right, if we don't express it, where does it go?
0: I don't know. (laughs) You tell me, my friend, because it makes sense that, it makes sense our bodies and all these things are interconnected and disease, like the word disease with dis-ease, there's a level of dis-ease in our, in our being somehow that can contribute to actual disease, some sort of illness and uh, other suffering. Obviously, with you lifting weights, that's a pretty obvious thing that happened to you with that, uh, because it was an imbalance and you're lifting too much weight and move the wrong way. And there's all kinds of ways, but emotionally and stuff too. So how, how does it, how does that get stored up? It doesn't just like drift off into space somehow. It's, it's, uh, pent up within us, good and bad things.
2: Exactly. And that's equally important is the fact that, that both our pain and our light and our strength and our genius also gets internalized when we hold back. Mm-hmm. And that's important. That's very important to understand uh, as well. Um, so if you think about, when I when I teach my retreats, I go through this thought experiment. And if you think about how, and this is for anybody who's listening, if you think about how old you are, okay, and then you think back on your life from today, and you go back, let's say day by day, and then maybe year by year, you know, and we've all been alive now for a while, I'm sure, you know, the people who are listening are either in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, you know, so that's a lot of life. And when you look back on your life starting in childhood and you start to ask yourself, did I know what I was feeling? And did I know how to express it in a healthy way on a daily basis? And you start with your home life, you know, think about your parents and your siblings. Did I know what I was feeling? Did I know how to express it? Did I know how to express it in a healthy way? Did my parents know how to do this? Did they teach me? Did my teachers know how to do this? Did they teach me? And then moving forward, so when I go to school and I've got friends and I got a crush and I've got teachers, did I know how to express myself there? Did I know what I was feeling? Did I know how to talk about it? Did I know how to talk about it in a healthy way? Then you keep going forward, and you know your first serious girlfriend, your first serious boyfriend, you fall in love. Did I really know how to talk about my feelings? Did I know how to talk about it effectively? Yeah. And you move yeah. forward, you know, to college or work life and serious relationships and marriage. And when you start to really look at it and you ask yourself, which way does the scale tip in terms of on one side of the scale, I knew exactly what I was feeling. I knew how to express it. I knew how to express it in a healthy way on a daily basis in every situation in a relationship every year. Or the other side of the scale is I didn't really know what I was feeling. I didn't know how to express it. I didn't know how to express it in a healthy way. And so instead, I kept it in because I didn't know what I was feeling or I kept it in because I was scared to express it or insecure to express it or because I judged myself or thought it made me unworthy or I was ashamed or guilty for what I was feeling. And so instead of talking about it, I internalized it and I repressed it. Anybody I ever talked to, when I really outlined this, sees how the scale tips in terms of internalizing and repressing, which I can summarize as self-rejection. So anytime you feel something and you don't express it, whether you're aware of it or not, you are rejecting your true self and you are rejecting that that emotional energy that's inside that should naturally flow out in a healthy way. And so that self-rejection is actually a form of self-harm. And I believe that self-harm is the root cause of all disease, all depression, all relationship problems, all of our blocks is this self-harm, this self-rejection, this self-betrayal that we've been doing since we were little kids in order to survive and keep the peace and to get love, to get security, to get approval, to get acceptance, and because we never learned different or better. And so in terms of, if we think on average, so a, a person who is 40 years old, who sleeps eight hours a night and is awake 16 hours a day, Okay, so let's say for 40 years, you're awake 14 hours a day and you sleep eight hours a night. Someone who's 40 years old has been alive and awake for 840 million moments. 840 million seconds. So if you're in your 50s or close to 50, you've been alive and awake for over a billion moments. And if you're in your 30s, You've been alive and awake for over 500 million moments. (laughs) And each of these moments is a fork in the road where you either are aware of what you're feeling and then know how to express it and then know how to express it in a healthy way and then navigate that truth with people's reactions and your own fear, or you don't. And so when you think in terms of internalizing and keeping things in, For that many moments, for that many days, weeks, months, and years, we start to see and things start to open up logically as to how disease might be developing in the mind or the body in some way. And so then, you know, briefly, briefly, a lot of the insights go back to uh, science now, Everybody in the scientific community would agree that our body and everything inside the body, including blood, uh, bones, our organs, are made up of cells. You know, and those cells are made up of molecules, and those molecules are made up of atoms, which means that everything in the universe, according to physics and all of our Western science, is energy. So our bones and our skin are atoms or energy that are vibrating at a little bit of a slower frequency, which makes it physical. Uh, Our blood and the water inside of us is energy that's vibrating at a little bit of a faster frequency, which makes it liquid or viscous. And then our energy, our life force, what they call qi in Chinese medicine, is energy that's vibrating at a faster frequency, which is why it's harder to see, right? Just like sound and light our energy that are vibrating at a faster frequency. So everything in our body is energy, including our thoughts and our emotions. And so when you feel angry and you don't express it, you're taking that energy of anger and you are internalizing it and you're, you're you're reversing the flow of a healthy system. So instead of expressing it outward, you're taking that anger and you're turning it in on itself. So it's going back down the pipe back down the blood vessels, back down the energy channels, instead of coming out the healthy way. So you start to basically clog up the system energetically. So in Chinese medicine, there is a uh, premise to Chinese medicine that goes, the blood in the body follows the, the flow of energy. So they say that the qi or the energy governs the blood. And if you think in terms of very physical, practical uh, examples, it's the energetic, the electromagnetic pulse of the heart, the physical and electric pulse of the heart that causes the blood to flow, right? So it's that energy that causes the blood to flow in the body. And when your heart stops beating, so when that heart has no electricity left, no energy left for whatever reason or or short circuits, right, the blood stops circulating and and life stops living in this being, in this Mm. body. So, when you take that energy and that life force and you don't express it, and you shove it, meaning you internalize what you're feeling, you repress your emotions, you suppress your emotions, you reject your true self and your true feelings, which then also manifest as not acting, in alignment with what you feel. So it's not just what you're feeling, it's that you don't actually act in alignment, in it- integrity also with what you feel because when you when you do act in integrity with what you feel, that continues the healthy circulation and flow of blood and energy in the body. So when you're not expressing your emotion and acting based on what you truly feel and need and want, you are clogging up the flow of energy and life force in your body which then leads to poor circulation, literally with, with, within your circulatory system, your blood, mm-hmm. your lymphatic system, which yeah. then does things like weaken your digestion, which then does things like weaken the, your immune system because your immune system is based on the healthy flow of energy and blood so that your red and white blood cells can get to all the different parts of your body, down to your fingertips, down to your toes, all uh, throughout your organs. But if you don't have a healthy flow of blood and energy in your body, your immune system can't function properly. Yeah, And, and uh, for, so when those things start to build up over time, and again, remember, I asked you how many years have you been alive? And then think about all the days, all the weeks, all the months, all the years that you've been internalizing what you feel, hurting yourself, not following your heart, not following your gut, not following your intuition because of fear, insecurity, self-judgment, wanting to please your parents, wanting to please your boss, your partner, you start to see, oh, oh, maybe this is why I'm depressed. You know, I've been internalizing this for so many years. No wonder I feel like shit. And please excuse me if I wasn't supposed to swear. But no wonder Mm -hmm. I don't feel well. Why do I feel so stuck? Or why do I feel so heavy? is where is this truth going if you're not expressing it? It's getting stuck inside. And then, like you said, when we first started this question, you know, what about your life? What about your strength? What about your gifts? What about your, your, your creative genius? Where is that? If you're not expressing it, because everybody's got it, and everybody listening has got it, but if you're not in your power and you're not expressing who you are, well, where is it? Well, it's inside. It's suffocating. Excuse me, it's suffocating. And that makes you sick, too, because life is not worth living if you're living a lie, right? And that's really the crux of it. Life feels as though it's not worth living if what we feel doesn't matter, if what we really dream about doesn't matter to us. It's like, what's the point of this? Mm. And that's how a lot of us end up depressed and sick because, right, we're on the the hamster wheel. We're on the wheel of samsara, of suffering, going round and round and round. And so what's the point of working so hard just to pay bills and not feel appreciated and not feel fulfilled? You're like, what's the point of life like this? Well, you know, there really is no point because Mm. who wants to live like that? Yeah, And so the body starts to shut down. mm
0: Mm-hmm. So oh, sorry for the ramble. <laughs> no, it's certainly a lot of real deep and uh, super valuable <laughs> principles you expressed right there. I When you, when you talked early on about self-rejection, that uh, struck a chord with me because I think that's something that happens a lot in the world and that's taught. Um, I feel like we're in this place in the world where there's a lot of awakening going on of who we are, what we are, our potential, what we need to be. Uh, even the, finally this I think this Black Lives Matter we're not going to delve too into that right now but a lot of these sorts of things happening uh, is I think a testament to the fact that people are, are ready to to meet their potential head on and and be their potential you know to go back to what you said you got to be these things and uh you know i've i've turned 40 myself you talk about turning 40 i turned 40 this coming august and so and you talk about sleep and it's always been baffling to me to think about 8 hours is a third of the day i don't quite sleep as much as i've become a, you know a little bit older as an adult but to consider you've slept at age 40 10 to 15 years of your life full years not not just uh you know nights of you'd slept 10 to 15 full years of your life and then these other hours We've only been. If I'm 40, I've been awake maybe 20, 25 to 30 of those years, and uh, and, and so the, the boy, there's a lot of depth to all this. Uh, you talk about this self rejection thing, though. I really want to hone in on that for a second, because I think some of that goes back to, to some of what you experienced that you described early on, and a lot of people experience some version of that. My dad's talked to me about he's dealt with depression his whole life. And he's opened up a little bit more in recent years. He's seventy, almost seventy three. Uh, a lot of that came from his childhood, of uh, parents that meant well, but they were raised in wacky situations uh, as well, and uh, and it created this anguish within him. And and there's other factors there too, um, but a lot of things happen to people where we're just uh, holding back a lot of d- deep. Feeling, And then instead of handling, expressing, healing those wounds, if you will, self-medicating instead to numb the pain. And then it just sits there and you've just numbed it, you know, because, you know, I could go cut my leg open and then not feel it by injecting something. (laughs) But it's still there, cut open wound that needs to be dealt with. So how do people get to this place? Again, I'm rambling to an extent, but you open a lot of thoughts for me as well in my own personal life, my dad, and experiences here. How do people get to this place? How did you get to this place, Blake, where you, you've been able to find a place of healing and then, of course, go on to share those principles with others uh, after, of course, going through things that didn't give lasting results? Well, I was
2: very... <clears throat> when I started... I was in such a bad place mentally and emotionally, and then that became physical with what I described in the in being in the gym and, and, and turning into a distance, the point where I couldn't even walk. So my body, I subconsciously, my body stopped me to make me look at my thoughts and emotions on a much deeper level to the point where I couldn't even run from myself anymore physically. And I think that that's really important for people to see is that if you have a physical illness or you've had a bad accident, is it possible that subconsciously you you kind of made this situation happen so that you could look at your deeper, deeper mental and emotional truth and pain and, and what you really want in life and, and what you really need so you can heal these things and then create a life that's much more in alignment with who you really are. Yeah. And I think it's a really powerful way to start to look at things because then you have the power to shift it. Um, and so for me, I was in such a, a dark place that, that healing and, and addressing these things became the focus of all my time and energy. Every day, all day, I couldn't get away from it. And because I had come from part of what set this in motion was drug and alcohol abuse and addiction, And I already decided I wasn't going back to that. So I got clean on my own. I made a decision and I didn't go to rehab. I just knew that I wanted more for my life and I didn't want to end up like the people in my family who had really messed up all these amazing, beautiful things. Mm -hmm. And so I only had one choice, which was, it was kind of like heal or die for me. And so I got very addicted to, I took my addictive personality and nature And I got very addicted to yoga, and I got very addicted to meditation, and I got very addicted to reading and understanding the mind and the body and the soul on a much deeper level. So that that led me, as I mentioned, to all the different uh, universities and trainings I did. I was very lucky to meet uh, spiritual teachers and masters in things like meditation and yoga and tai chi and, and qigong. And so I just kept going deeper and deeper into myself and into my energy and into my uh, mind and uh, my heart and into these kind of spiritual and practical health and healing uh, tools. And then eventually I realized that everything I had done in going to all these schools and studying with all these teachers and reading probably thousands of books on God and healing, and health, and nutrition, and religion, and spirituality, and self-help. But really, all I was doing was looking for love and learning how to love myself. For Mm -hmm. me, that felt like what I was doing. I was looking for the love I never got as a kid. I was looking for the love I never learned how to give myself. And so all my healing was really me learning how to take really good care of my mind, my emotions, my body, my dreams, my calling in life, and that this whole journey had been really about that. And then that's what rendered me capable of being of benefit to other people and being able to love other people and relate to other people in a healthy way. And so for me, what I realized over the years, I really was learning how to do this. I was just really learning how to love and value and take care of the miracle of my own life. Really practically, no BS, every day, all day, so that I could enjoy being alive and be of benefit and have a positive impact on my family, my friends. If I was in a relationship with someone, with my partner. And then professionally, in whatever capacity I'm showing up. And, you know, I've really, so over the years, just this down to, you know, this being our purpose in life. Because for me, I was desperate to understand. I needed to understand why I came to the earth and, and have a clear understanding of what my purpose and what the purpose of life is. And for me, the answer to that question has revealed itself to be to me to be that I, I, ca- I came here and, The purpose of my life, and I believe the purpose of all our lives, is to enjoy being alive, you know, to not suffer as much as possible, and to really enjoy being here. And then the key to that, which is the other part of our purpose, is learning how to love ourselves and learning about love, so that we can be healthy and happy, and then love other people Mm -hmm. in a healthy, happy way. And then when, when you do those things, you bring a lot of good energy a lot of uh, productivity to whatever you do. So when you're in a very healthy, happy state and you feel good about yourself and you treat people well, it doesn't matter what you're doing, whether you're a podcast host or a teacher or a lawyer or a doctor or a mother or a father or you work at a restaurant, you're going to give the best of yourself when your cup is full, you take to carry yourself, and you're being true to yourself. And that's how you're going to treat the people around you, whether it's a client, uh, you know, someone coming into a restaurant, you know, or you pull up next to a traffic light, you know, instead of flicking somebody off, you give them a nice look, <laughs> you, know, if, you know, you go get your coffee, whatever it is, Wherever you are in the world, you're going to be a benefit if you know how to love and value yourself as opposed to not taking care of yourself, rejecting yourself, internalizing your emotions which leaves you resentful,
0: angry, bitter,
2: unsatisfied. So yeah. does,
0: that, does that resonate? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I There's so much there that we could grab onto. I, you talked about you got addicted to uh, all these things you were reading and these thousands of books and so on, and then I think it's interesting, and that's a good addiction. We talked about some destructive addictive behaviors from the past and that other people engage in. Uh, but that you found, a, if you will, a good addiction of sorts. And I think it's interesting that you said you summed that all up, that you realize a lot of it was about love, self-love, love of others. And uh, there's, boy, the, the hard part of this that I'm seeing with people uh, is that there's an aspect of awakening and there's a choice with that. Uh, you got to hear these alarm bells for what they mean in your life. And they, they may ring differently for different people, but it's the same alarm bells of awakening to your true self and living in that true self and honoring and loving through that true self, honoring who that true self is and, and being that. Uh, so I, I just think there's a lot of depth to the things you're saying. And so there's no rambling. It certainly resonates. And I think uh, everyone should be able to relate to it. Um, and so there's there's this thing about authenticity. Uh People I, I found, and in my own life too, and you sound like as well, have have found this, when you're not living an authentic uh, version of yourself where we're hiding or or self-medicating in some capacity, um, the, there's unhealthy feelings and patterns that start to develop. Um, what, what kind of light do we have to shed for people who, there might be someone in the audience listening thinking, oh, this sounds and maybe even feels good in some way. But I don't know how it applies to me, or, or maybe they're scared to awaken and face these things. I mean, were you ever scared to awaken your th- uh, to your reality and face this drug situation and other things you needed to heal? And, and how do people get to this place where they can be authentic? And then we're going to talk more, I think, if we can, about some of these medicinal principles you've learned as well before we wrap up. But how do people awaken? To me, the word awaken, I think, is a very... We were talking about sleep earlier. is a very uh, poignant term to use. How do people awaken? How did you awaken? I mean, we talked about yours. How do people <laughs> get to that place, my friend?
2: I think primarily it comes from suffering and pain. And so I think when people, you know, people who are listening are facing some kind of challenge in their life. And that can be a physical health issue, a psychological or emotional health issue. It can be an issue with your partner or your spouse or a family member or it can be an issue at work. And that symptom, like I said, whatever the symptom is inside of you or in your life is a cry from your deeper intelligent self to love and value yourself more which means to be more authentic, like you were saying, which means to talk about what you're really feeling, talk about what you really want, and address these issues that you've been afraid to address. And so I think it's normally pain, suffering, struggle, heartbreak, that forces us into this. Uh, another, Besides illness, another very common thing that happens for people is accidents. Uh, a car accident. Um, uh-huh. uh, slipping and falling. Was another accident. It, I, I have met thousands of people who an accident of some kind has been the catalyst because you know you are, you end up with broken bones or you end up in the hospital or something, and it and it normally goes back to maybe you you had a million things on your mind and you were stressed and you were rushing or you were scared and you went through the red light or. You didn't see the car coming because you were your mind was elsewhere. You were not present because you were thinking about something else. Well, you know, why wasn't your mind present? Because you're thinking about all these things you need to address, or you're overwhelmed in your life by things you're not addressing, or you don't really feel great in your life, so you don't want to be here. So you're all fantasizing about something else, and all of a sudden a car comes out of nowhere and hits you, mm. you know? Or you're not paying attention and, you go, and you, 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 or you're rushing so much because you're so anxious and you're so stressed because you're not dealing with certain things in your life and you're overwhelmed and you're not honoring what you need and you're not talking about how stressed you are and you slip, you know, on, in a puddle or, or some ice or, you know what I mean, and you trip and you take a dive. You know, that's another very common way that this awakening comes about. Mm-hmm. Um, some people have near, I know a lot of people who have had near death experiences, you know, where they have a severe car accident or, mm-hmm. um, or I know someone who's had such horrible cancer with tumors out of their body on the edge of death and, and, and came back and that's what her awakening was. Wow. Um, so
0: there's, there's a lot of know, forms of uh, this. It sounds like, I mean, it it comes in various forms, but you know, as people say, and you've been in this, realm with self help and so on, a lot of people have said life happens for us, not to us. And whatever it is, whether you had a car accident or cancer or near death experience or something maybe that we humans might consider less dramatic. Either way, these can be catalysts of an awakening, it sounds like and um, and I don't mean to cut you off. What else did you want to add? (laughs) No,
2: I, I agree. I think the healthiest mindset is that everything is here for our awakening. Everybody and everything because you know, like, so I view you as my teacher, I view nature as my teacher, my family, everybody I come across is teaching me, is awakening me, it's making me feel more deeply, it's making me appreciate the miracle and beauty of being alive more deeply, the, the yeah. miracle and beauty that exists in every person, in every flower, in every bird, you know, yeah. and that's how you really start to enjoy your life, is when you appreciate these little things, because I think everybody listening would agree, you know, money is not the purpose of life. You know, ego fulfillment is not the purpose of life. And, and a lot of us are at a place where just surviving is not the purpose of life. So if those things are not the purpose of life, well, what is, right?
3: Yeah. You know, awakening absolutely.
2: To, so we can enjoy this life. Awakening so we can love ourselves and, and love the people that we care about, no matter most to us. Because, Right? As we get older, you talked about your father, you know, I lost my father recently, two years ago. These people, you know, the, the people we love the most are not going to be here forever. Yeah. And so, you know, when, when you start to see that happen in your life, you start to realize, you know, what I value really isn't the most important thing. What, what really matters is my health, the health of the people I care about, you know, how I treat other people, the legacy I leave you know, in my family, to the world, to my children, to my loved ones.
3: Mm.
2: And I, this type of wisdom, I think, is what really awakens us. When, and when we realize that the money we're chasing, the house we're chasing, the car we're chasing, the, <laughs> whatever we're chasing, it leads often to emptiness. So if, if that's what we're chasing, you know, we're going to reach a point where we awaken to that and we see that there's something more important to life, which is, Love, which is the, the the people we love, our health, our love and self-respect, our, you know, for ourselves,
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, the things that, you know, the things in the world that we love to do. And that's what makes our time here worth, worth living, worth being here.
0: I think those are really uh, important insights that you just said, too, really deep, because... Uh, Another way that occurs to me as you say all that is tearing down walls because you talk about you look at me and nature and all these things around you as uh, a value and a teacher, and very instructive things. Then you're living in harmony in a much more grand amplified scale of uh, existence of the universe, if you will, rather than living in a shell covered in walls, walls of fear, walls of uh, the different you know, differences between people, whether it's race and gender and different belief types, but that we can still love and be open and embrace and find what good can come, because good can and does come from everything. Uh, and and then and then it, it, by not being closed off, you talked earlier about flow and blood flow. All these things are very instructive. There's this flow when it comes to energy that we can flow more freely. We can breathe, so to speak. Um Uh, not suppressing these things. We could talk about those things for hours and hours, really, and there's a lot of depth to that about what we are and who we are, and I think the awakening is the key. It's the real big important choice. The choice is all caps, choice, (laughs) and I encourage anyone listening, make that choice. Whatever you're experiencing, uh, fearing and uh, pain, suffering, instead of suppressing, instead of self-medicating, let's awaken and face it healthily and head on. And people can do that also th- with a lot of the things that you offer. Um, you've got this book, of course, You Were Not Born to Suffer, which, again, I love that title. Uh, the website, unconditional-selflove.com, right? Um, yeah. And all kinds of things. And and touch on, before we wrap up here, if you would, some of these principles, whatever you want to ta- talk about when it comes to Chinese medicine and and uh, herbal healing and uh past life regression therapy. That's uh, that's a deep topic. <laughs> that cool. Some people might say, oh, well, I grew up Baptist. I don't believe in that stuff or whatever. Uh, talk to me about some of those things. You don't have to touch on any of the things I said, but some of those things that have really, you t- talked about yoga earlier. You talked uh, Is there any particular thing? I mean, I know people do acupuncture. People do all kinds of things. What of these things are some of the things that you would uh, recommend that it could be somewhat universal for people to be very healthy and centered and holistic in their in their existence.
2: Well, I think um, everything you mentioned is is very important. I think acupuncture is very effective. Obviously, uh, what you put in your body, eating, uh, you know, organic, uh, whole, you know, natural foods as opposed to processed foods is is key to healing. You cannot heal fully, mentally, emotionally, physically, or spiritually if you're not eating the right things. And then there's an interesting relationship there between what we've been talking about the whole conversation, which is that if in your heart, and this is is a key to why a lot of diets don't work for people and why a lot of people um, go on diets for short periods of time and they don't work for so whatever the goal is to heal or lose weight or be more physically fit is because when you when you are living every day rejecting your true self like we've been talking about not being totally genuine or authentic about what you feel mm-hmm. and want and need uh, across the spectrum what that leaves you feeling subconsciously is that you don't matter and that your heart doesn't matter. And what that turns into is that a heart that feels it doesn't matter, a heart that feels life is not worth living because it's not fulfilling, it's not fun, it's not aligned with who you really are, Mm
3: -hmm.
2: becomes a body that doesn't feel worthy of loving care and attention. Because subconsciously, what is the point of taking care of your physical health and your body and healing it completely if you don't really like being here and the key is we don't like being here because we're not being true to ourselves because we're rejecting our true self. Life feels so hard because I'm not enjoying my work. I'm not enjoying my relationships. I'm not enjoying myself because I keep living in fear, shame, guilt, insecurity, rejecting my true self. That then becomes the sentiment of, you know what? It doesn't really matter what I eat. It doesn't really matter if I exercise. It doesn't really matter if I have those drinks, you know, those alcohol, those, those cocktails. Because you know what? It doesn't really matter. It just gives me a little short-term relief and pleasure, and I kind of go back to what I've been doing. And that becomes a very toxic, vicious cycle that most people are trapped in to some degree. And it brings me back full circle, Phil, to, to what, what you started that question with, which is that, you know, the choice. And I think for people listening, you know, when, 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 I, when we open up this can of worms, it can seem overwhelming and daunting the implications of actually stopping living a lie and really living and honoring and embodying this truth. And what I want to ask the people that are listening is, yeah, I understand it's scary to address everything with your partner or your spouse or your family or your work and yourself. Isn't it also really scary to continue living a lie? Isn't it also really scary to stay asleep? We been talking about this concept of asleep sleep and awake. Isn't it really scary to keep coasting and drifting and, and never really enjoy being here and never really connect deeply with your loved ones and never really connect deeply with a partner or never really find purpose in life. Isn't that scary? Isn't that scary to lay on your deathbed with regret and not having peace in your heart and your mind and your soul with who you are and how you lived and what you left this world? I mean, to me that that is much more scary. And so the key is to put this in perspective and you just take one step at a time. It's one day at a time, just taking the leap of faith in being honest about what you feel, being kind about it, then acting in integrity, meaning acting in alignment with what you feel, and then taking some time and space by yourself to just be with yourself so you can be with your thoughts and feelings and start to become familiar with them. And then to have self-care time, you know, for exercise or walking or reading or whatever it is, usually that fills your cup up. And then, the last part, which brings us full circle to the question, is we have to take care of our mind. And that was one of the most powerful important aspects of my journey, Phil, was was learning meditation and learning to train my mind at the core of my mind and to become familiar with my thoughts on a very deep level to understand that I am not just my thoughts. I am not just a voice or voices in my head. They are a part of but that's not who I am, that we are the deeper awareness and consciousness behind our thoughts that can be aware when we're thinking but you have to learn to become very intimate with those thoughts because your thoughts throughout the day are shaping and creating your reality they're shaping and creating your relationships your work your health and so if you let the negative voices and the negative self talk and the negative criticism and judgment just keep going without doing something about it, you're going to keep making yourself sick and miserable, and you're going to make the people around you miserable too. So learning to take care of your mind, to learn how to meditate, and to learn how to guide your thinking, which we all have the capacity to do, going back to the word choice that you you used, Bill, we each have the power to actually choose our thoughts. And that's a really big lesson. You can choose what you think about. And the more you try to choose what you think about, the stronger that muscle gets. And the more you can choose your thoughts and choose what to give your attention to, the more you have the power to choose what you are growing and giving your attention to in your life, meaning you get to choose what, what you build. You get to choose what you give your time to, and that's a very important aspect of valuing yourself, because if you're giving your time and energy to people who don't appreciate you or mistreat you, or you give your time and energy to a job that takes you for granted, mm-hmm. or you give your time and energy to habits that are not good for you, right? you're not going to have a good life. And so you've got to learn to give your thoughts, your time, your attention, your energy to things that... Are healthy for you, that appreciate you, that, and that reflect
0: who you really are and, and where you want to go in life. Really, really deep. I uh, And I say this once in a while on a podcast rewind that and listen to that again 10 times because there's a lot of depth to what you just said. Uh, but the key, I think, at the core of it all, uh, among other things, with facing our authenticity and all that, but at the real deep core is a choice, a decision. You know, I learned, as you probably have, the word decision literally means to cut off. And that means some, sometimes cutting off other, especially opposing possibilities that might otherwise conflict with what that decision is. And choose yourself. You know, I talked to a therapist some time ago who, uh, uh, he was real into some of these principles as well uh, about mindfulness and meditation and stuff too. But he said that he heard this phrase some years before that was that the one you seek is the one seeking, and I thought, wow, that's a kind of a full circle thought process, of, and that can apply if you're seeking God, or, and I'm not here to comment on that topic um, at the moment, but I do believe there's higher power and purpose in the universe as well, and uh, the one you seek is the one seeking, I think, it applies to a lot of what we're saying when we talk about self-rejection. We need to stop rejecting uh what we're seeking, which uh, at the core is joy, joy being an alignment. Joy in Hebrew means an alignment. So we need to align with these things. I'm not going to, I don't have much more to say because it gets down, like you talked about reading thousands of books and it got down to love, love yourself and all these things. These are simple, simple principles. We could talk for hours and hours and really get into a lot of depth, but at the core it would still be the same message. Let's love ourselves. Let's love each other. Let's tear down these walls <laughs> and and really align with Uh, Within harmony of our existence, even the word universe means one song. I mean, and I grew up as a musician. There's a lot of depth. I love word roots. Again, I'm going off on tangents here, but there's a lot of depth to all these things that is very, very instructive to what we are and what we need to become you know to refer to what you said earlier is there anything else you'd like to add before we close blake i like i said we could talk for hours and you and i have a lot of things in common i think too and (laughs) uh but uh, obviously your book you were not born to suffer it's available on amazon we'll have a link to that in the podcast notes and your website unconditional-selflove.com anything else you want to add or final thoughts just 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 the last couple things
2: um so uh one, just what you just said about thinking, um, I think what I learned in my life, and I, and, I, and I hope that this gets through for everybody, is that the pain of rejecting yourself is far more horrible than the pain of being rejected by other people. And I think mm-hmm. it's really important to try and get your head around that. The, the damage we do in rejecting ourselves to try and survive or please other people is far more painful and damaging than being rejected by other people. And the how to, what what the key to all this is the how to, right? So a lot of people say, go love yourself, but the key is understanding how, if you rewind the podcast, I actually named the how, the how is expressing what you feel, want and need, Honestly and kindly, even if you're scared, Mm -hmm. and that's the key, even if you're scared, eventually you'll get better at it and you'll realize that you have to do it even if you're shaking, because the alternative is you live a lie. The second thing is acting in alignment with what you feel, so follow your heart, even if you're scared. Taking time and space for yourself to be, so to be alone with your thoughts and feelings, to move at your natural pace, and have time for self-care, whatever it is you feel good doing. And then the last one, the fourth one, is taking care of your mind. And, and, and you take care of your mind by doing some meditation, by uh, thinking about things you're grateful for, by thinking about and focusing on things that you want, uh, by saying prayers and It's good for your mind. So that's, that's the fourth key. And those are the four things we need to be doing on a daily basis. And if we're not doing them on a daily basis, we're going to get sick and we're going to get depressed and our relationships and our work life are going to suffer. If you do those four acts of self-care and self-love on a daily basis, your health is going to get better. Your physical, mental and emotional health is going to get better. Your relationships are going to get better. Your energy is going to be stronger. You're going to have more energy to give to your work, to your passion, your purpose, the people that you love. Um, and we all know how we feel when our we're stuck in negative thinking. So we need to take that time for ourselves to take care of our mind so we don't feel the victim of negative thought. So that we feel powerful and empowered to guide our thinking, choose our thinking and find the peace that's underneath our thinking. Yeah. I think that those are my, my last uh, these are the last things that, that I wanted to
0: share. Yeah, and I think we couldn't go out on a since we're in a temporary basis of a podcast, but we, we covered a lot of ground, but I couldn't think of a better final couple notes to go out on. And uh so hey, Blake, thank you so much for sharing all this. Again, unconditional dash selflove.com. Uh, you were not born to suffer on Amazon. And of course Blake D. Bauer. That's B-A-U-E-R. We'll talk about all this in the intro as well uh, on Facebook. And the book is also up there on Facebook, You Were Not Born to Suffer. So uh, until next time for our audience, again, thank you to Blake and uh, all of you for listening. And empower yourself, empower the world around you. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to Empower Humans. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review this podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit EmpowerHumans.com. We'll catch you next time.